0: Well, good morning. Um, This morning's Bible reading comes from Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through to 56. And you'll note there's a song in this reading, uh, and it won't be sung. (laughs) At least not by me. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. "'I am the Lord's servant,' Mary answered. "'May your word to me be fulfilled.' Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home, and he greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, "'Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear.' But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears and the baby in my womb lived for joy, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. And has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Our uh, gracious Heavenly Father, we, we um, thank you for the wonderful privilege of being members of your people, that you've called us to know you, to love you, to trust you in our lives. And at this Christmas time, as we, we celebrate and reflect and just stop and, and think about the enormity of what you've done in the Lord Jesus, please give us a fresh confidence, a fresh commitment, uh, a fresh faith and hope that will um, stand us strong. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. If you've got your Bibles open, that's going to be really helpful. It's a very long passage, and uh, I, look, I've got it down to about two and a half hours. So, um, so that we should be okay there. Can you imagine for a people who are very religious and who long to hear the voice of God... To be without the voice of God for 400 years, just to hear nothing from him, how that must have lain upon them. And now, after 400 years, um, this incredible revelation has come uh, upon this people. We're just starting to see it open up, up with a bang, not with a whimper, but a bang. And it reminded me of being in the movies. You know how you go to the movies and you're looking forward to seeing this movie, and those silly ads that they put on first up. Sorry if you're an adver- advertiser. Um, go for for zonks, and then all, all of a sudden the curtain starts to, the lights go down, the curtain starts to move. You know, remember that feeling of anticipation? And they open and open and open. I, I think what Luca's is doing here is he's opening him up to here, but he just keeps it going. He keeps the keeps the um, curtains going and going and going, gives us more and more of a view of the incredible nature of what God's doing here. And for that, we thank him. We thank him very much. Last week, Matt took us through the opening act of this revelation. And what a great act that was with uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah and the angel appearing and, and starting to talk to them about um, it's all happening. This, this is what you've all been waiting for for such a long time. It's all happening now. This is the big event, the miracle of of birth. Now we're going to move to the key players. We'll call them the key players in the drama. We've got Mary, who's chosen by God himself to bear God's son. We've got Joseph, to whom she's engaged. And we've got the unique baby planned for them. And it's six months after the angel has appeared to Zechariah. And here we find Mary. Mary's just a quiet Get the impression she's a quiet young country girl she lives in the country she's already engaged to be married uh, which meant more than perhaps our engagements because if you're engaged the only way to get out of that is to get divorced uh, under th- that um, time uh, it was a big thing you're basically married you just haven't sort of finalised everything um, she's living in a quiet little country town um, And for the person who's reading uh, Luke's events, maybe for the very first time, meeting these people might start to develop in you this sense of of, um, anticipation. Something big is about to happen. These are not normal events. Something big is about to happen. It's not going to be quiet for very much longer. And certainly, of course, that's that's what happens. Gabriel appears to Mary. He's the same angel who would appear to Zechariah. And he appears to this young girl. Now, she could have been as young as 12 or 13 because um, girls as young as 12 and 13 years could be betrothed to um, Jewish men. So it's not surprising that if if Zechariah, when the angel appeared to him, was startled and gripped with fear, this young lady, (laughs) when Gabriel appeared to her, was... The text says, troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. What, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm favoured by God. What do you, why are you appearing to me? What is, what's going on? The first thing she, that happens is she's reassured by the angel. She's not scared the way he was. If you remember, he was, he was really scared. She's, what troubles her is what the words mean. It's a little different for her. Um, but she still has to be reassured by the angel that she has found favour with God and what that meant, to, to have found favour with God. This child that she bear, will bear, like Elizabeth, is going to be very special. That's obviously because you don't get an angel coming every day to sort of tell you things that aren't really special. And here he is, very special, but his identity and his character are going to put him up into a category of his very own. What I mean by that is this. Elizabeth's baby, John, he will be the prophet of the Most High. Now that's, a, that's an incredible role to play, prophet of the Most High. But Mary's child will be the son of the Most High. In other words, he will be God himself. John the Baptist will bring many people back to the Lord their God, the text says. Jesus, as his name implies will rescue them from their sin and put them right with God. John will be great in the sight of the Lord, Jesus will be great full stop, equal to God. And whereas John will make ready a people prepared for the Lord, Jesus will be put in charge of everything and everybody and rule over God's people forever. So that when you, if, if you want a comparison, there's the comparison, two great figures, two great men, but Jesus stands high and above even John. And Mary would conceive this child by the power of God, now that must have have exercised her mind. The text says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And if you don't mind me saying this, the, the incarnation has nothing to do with the way we travel around Australia. Thank you for the person who laughed. <laughs> but it does have everything to do with God. Everything to do with God, the creator of all and the sovereign over all. Beginning the human life of his eternal son in Mary's womb by the action of his Holy Spirit. That's, that's all we're told really. That's how it happens. That means that the baby born will be fully God. Completely and utterly and fully God himself. But it also means because the baby will be born of a mother who is fully human, he will be fully human. A unique individual in all of history, in all of time, fully God, fully human. Somebody who knows our circumstances and our experiences, but who knows God and his ways and his character, what better go between God and ourselves could there possibly be than someone who is fully human and fully God, able to speak to both and bring both together. That's the enormity of this child's identity and status, fully God, fully human. He's from God, but he's come among us. A couple of things I just want to say. When Mary gives birth to Jesus, she'd been a virgin. So this is not Joseph's natural-born child. They hadn't been sexually active. um, Matthew tells us that. Uh, Joseph had no union with Mary till she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph and Mary will have their own sons and daughters later. The Gospels tell us that. Mary's role, blessed that she is, and she's a a great figure of the New Testament, her role is to bear Jesus and to love him as his mother, to trust and worship him as her saviour, as everybody else is called to do. There is no biblical foundation for saying that Mary is basically as Jesus, a go-between between between God and us. Mary's a great figure who who, uh, exercised her faith and allowed uh, the the wonderful plans of God to take place, but she learned to trust and worship her son as her saviour, like we all do Jesus, in turn, loved her and he honoured her. He looked after her. Can you you see that picture of him on the cross looking down to John and saying, she's now your mother, look after her, Um, even though he was in incredible pain. So he he loved her and looked after her. Um, And she remained chosen, yes, certainly chosen, but sinful. And she was blessed, yes but she needed the same salvation from her son that all of us need. It's important to be very clear on that. Looking at the broad sweep of history, this is is one of the great climaxes of all of history in the plan of God because the incarnation was when God took upon him our flesh. No other God in history talked about or written about has ever thought to do that sort of thing God so identified with you and me that he took on our flesh. And it's to Mary's great credit that she accepts God's promise and is prepared to trust his plans for her. When she says to the, to the angel, um, effectively to God, uh, let it be done as you have said, what is she saying? She's saying, I've heard what you've said. I've considered what you've said. I'm going to trust what you've said, whatever, wherever it leads me. Now, can you get a a stronger expression of faith than that? I'm going to trust you wherever it takes me. That's what she effectively said to the angel. And then God steps in and says, let's let's give you all the support and resource you need to do this job. This is a big job. You need resources. Off she goes to Elizabeth. Now, can you just imagine? You can imagine the time they had together. They apparently had three months together. Here is God. Okay, sure, they, they got to know each other and they enjoyed each other's company and they compared notes about, you know, is he kicking yet? All that sort of thing you always talk about. I, I presume. when you <laughs> yeah. um, All those sorts of things. Um, but they also said, what do you think this means? Where is this going to take us? How, are, how is your baby and my baby um, related in terms of what God is going to do? How is this all going to work out? Just having somebody who you could sit and talk with them that, in that way, imagine how incredibly supportive that would be. It's just another example, isn't it? We see it so often in the scriptures of, of God coming alongside the person whom, whom he's going to ask to do a job that's going to stretch them. They know it's going to stretch them. They, they are, you know... <laughs> anxious about he comes alongside and he gives them the support and resource that they need. And here he's doing it with um, Mary. So he leads her to the evidence, which is her relative, Elizabeth. She's a cousin, apparently. Um, Because with Elizabeth, who's already showing six months, usually, unless you're one of these mums that doesn't realise she's having a baby until the baby comes. (laughs) She's showing, there's evidence there, that the promise that, the, that God had made to her is, is being acted upon. It's already being fulfilled. And there she is. By age, she's a senior. But by status, she's six months pregnant. For And the combat is made for nothing is impossible with God. Imagine how Mary sees Elizabeth and thinks, there's her promise. There's God's promise being acted out. That's encouraging. That means... God will keep his promise to me too. Uh, as if that's not enough, then as uh, Mary comes to Elizabeth, uh, the Holy Spirit causes both Elizabeth and the baby to, uh, to identify with the baby in Mary's, uh, that Mary's about to carry. He rec- they recognise who she is. Elizabeth knows that the baby Mary is to bear will be God's Messiah. No jealousy there either. You sort of wonder, you know, could there be a bit of jealousy? Because, you know, my baby is six months older than your baby, more important. There's none of that. Mary, rec- uh, sorry, Elizabeth recognises that this baby that Mary is carrying uh, is to be her saviour too, her Lord. So her own cry of praise is matched by her baby leaping in her womb. That's a very unusual event. And for Mary, her reactions, Elizabeth's reactions and the baby's reactions reassure her again that God will honour his promise to her and therefore she should keep trusting. And that's what she did, she kept trusting. Now I I know with you, you you think, okay, when you read further down the track and we'll see it next Sunday actually, um, in, in the next event when they take Jesus to the temple and they meet Simeon and Anna. Remember the old, old sorry, oldies? Well, they weren't oldies, they were just mature people. And they're in the in the temple. Um, he says things to her that make her start wondering what's the detail of all this going to be like. He says to her, and a sword will pierce your soul. Now that's not the sort of thing I want to hear, is it? <laughs> but he knew what was coming. And he knew this wasn't going to be easy at all, But the important thing was, not knowing everything that was to happen, she was prepared to trust God. And I think that's what makes Mary stand out in such a wonderful way. And she gets confirmation from Elizabeth as she goes and spends that time. But it's when Mary opens her mouth. Here he is. She's, she's made this strong expression of, of um, uh, trust in God and in the future as he leads her and now um, he wants, she wants to, to praise that God whom she has committed to trust. And there we get, I think, the best insight into her character and her outlook. Um, we've been watching God reassure her, um, here's Mary's strong testimony. And will you note, yes, the first few verses are about herself. They are saying, God is wonderful in the way he's going to bless me. I'm going to be blessed in the coming years. Um, That's wonderful to have that incredible privilege. But even through those few verses and then on into the next section of verses, she is focusing upon God, not herself. The birth is all about what God is doing not what Mary is doing. And she understands that. Her strong testimony is all about him. It's not about her, it's about God. Now, um, some of you will have probably sung the Magnificat uh, in previous days, uh, in the older older services. Um, It's called the Magnificat because uh, the first verse is, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's the only reason. There's no uh, incredible reason for that. It just was the first word in the whole thing. Mary is focusing upon God as she testifies to what he's like, flowing out of her thanksgiving and her praise and her trust in him. When you think about it, she cannot, while she's magnifying the Lord, she cannot magnify herself. Have you ever used a magnifying glass? The only thing that can't magnify is itself. Magnifying glass can't magnify itself unless you've got a second one. (laughs) Um, She's magnifying the Lord as she focuses in on, on Him. And I know there's often a tendency in our own lives for us to have the magnifying glass on ourselves, focusing on ourselves. But that's not what's going, here, going on here. It focuses entirely upon God. It's full of truths about God that at this Christmas time, can open up our eyes and give us a fuller appreciation of what he's like. So let's finish by just looking at what she says about this God she's put her trust in. Can he do it? He set, it up, set up this magnificent plan, but can he do it? We well, look at verse 46, 49 and 51. We're going to read them all, but if you, if you want to go there later, do. But what do they say? He is Lord over all. He should have the ability to do it he's the mighty one who does great things he performs mighty deeds with his arm that's her testimony she's saying he can do this he will do this he is powerful not only is he powerful but look at verse 49 he is holy his name reveals his nature god is essentially different to us he's holy we are not yes he makes us holy in christ we become saints Everyone here who, who trusts the Lord Jesus is a saint. You don't have to do special things to become a saint. You become a saint because you've been set aside by God to belong to Him. That makes you a saint. Not, not the fact that you've not done anything wrong for the last week. <laughs> Anyone? No, I want to ask you. <laughs> I want to ask you. He is holy. And what Mary is saying, you can see that in the things that He does for people. Like me, she says, and the way He goes about it. He is holy. That is what God is like. Verse 50, he's merciful. Mercy is something we could plead for, but we can't buy mercy. You can't go down and get, you know, I'll have $10 worth of mercy, please. Down at the shop. Mercy is a gift that God extends to those who fear him. So what's happening here is not, it's a word to everybody, but it will only be, um, uh, Shared and, and um, uh, actioned on by those who put their trust in God like Mary has. Those who fear him. That's the way she expresses it. For them, his mercy is total and all-encompassing. And mercy, of course, is one of the great themes of the New Testament where God brings us to himself because of his mercy. Verse 58, he is faithful. She says, from now on, all generations will call me Blessed. Not so much because of her role, but because the mighty one has done great things for me. That same faithfulness is seen in the fact that he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. What she's saying is he won't forget his promises. He doesn't forget his promises. He's caused these very words to be recorded in Luke so that you and I, 2,000 years later, can be reminded that he's faithful and be encouraged by this fact. And you might need to be encouraged about that this Christmas time. So he's powerful, he's holy, he's merciful, he's faithful. That's the one who has come to him, to, to her. That's the one whose son she's going to bear and whose son will be just like that too. What sort of a saviour will he be? Well... A revolutionary saviour. This saviour is bringing revolution. In fact, uh, some churches in places like South America and other places where, when revolution was part of the deal, felt that there was a a right for them to to think in terms of um, being revolting in the community. I don't mean being revolting. I mean revolting, rising up against the government. Now, it's not what it's saying, but it is saying that when the Saviour comes it will be revolutionary and the community status which we by default or because we don't think we can change it, that community status will be turned on its head. That's what she's saying here. God will turn things upside down and he'll have them the way he wants them, not the way others want them. So what does he do to accomplish this? Verse 48, he lifts up the humble. The ones who are despised in the community, the low, low people, the unimportant people, the one with no status, the ones who are left out of things, he so lift them up. Those who humbly recognise um, God and his, and his um, mercy, he lifts them up. Mary had said, expressed her humility, I am the Lord's servant, be it to me as you have said. God lifted her up. He keeps lifting the humble up. Remember when Saul proved to be such a disaster as a king and they went looking for another young man to be a king and they went through, I forget how many, sons of Jesse, the the tall, handsome uh, ones with all the hair, maybe flowing beard or something, who knows? Um, God said, no, 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 no. And they got to David, the youngest one, who was, uh, you get the impression he was sort of staying out of the way, (laughs) humble, not necessarily wanting to to be king, but God raised him up and he became the greatest human king of Israel. If lack of humility is your problem, God will bring you down from your throne to recognise he is God and you aren't. Doesn't matter who we are. When our attitude has changed there, he will lift us back up. Because he wants to deal with pride. He wants to promote humility. And maybe he's doing that in your life at the moment. That's part of his work of salvation. Um, one, one guy put it in very simple terms: he said, be humble or you'll stumble. It's not in the biblical text, but it's probably a helpful little comment. Be humble or you'll stumble. And he feeds the hungry, fills the hungry with good things, those who are missing out in their lives, the ones who are hunger for the kingdom of God, he'll feed them. You can just hear Jesus um, uh, talking in the Sermon on the Mount, can't you, on these very things. God feeds the hungry, fills them with good things. He wants to fill our hands with good things. But how can he fill our hands with good things if we've got our hands full of other stuff that's not so important? And yet that's what he wants to do, to fill your hands with good things. And sometimes we just need to empty our hands of the stuff that we thought was important and realise there's more important stuff that God wants to fill our hands with. Are we even hungry for the things that he wants to fill our hands with? We've begun to meet very special people in Luke who they're hungry for God to come to his people as he's promised and they're starting to become aware of just how wonderful this is going to be. Are we hungry for the good things that he talks about here? And lastly, he helps the, he helps the downcast, the ones who, who, uh, who need comforting, the one who, ones who are homeless or hungry or in dreadful need or in great pain. Jesus knows all about that. He comes alongside us when we know we can't help ourselves. That's the sort of saviour Jesus is um, and, and proved to be, you just got to read the New Testament Gospels, read the rest of Luke, to discover that's exactly what he's like as he'd been promised and as Mary um, pray, in her praise recognised. So how do we respond this Christmas? I think there are three things come out of Mary's um, uh, praise here. First thing is, we ought to fear God. I don't mean you know uh, cower. That's not what the Scriptures talk about. It talks about the respect that is due to Him, the awe that is due to Him because of who He is, and because of what He's done. Recognise Him for who He is in every hour of our life, in every area of our lives. And we know that's, that holiness that is His, inherently His, separates Him from us. But at the same time, we know that the loving grace and mercy that is shown in the Lord Jesus draws us to Him. Holy God who draws close to us. How are you getting on with God? What is your attitude towards Him currently at this Christmas time? Do you need to reflect further on whether you are paying Him the respect? that he deserves. Secondly, praise him. You can't miss it in in her song. He's done more for you and for me than we can ever hope or imagine. By faith we're saved, we're forgiven, we're established in God's family, we're made secure for the present and for the future in all the things that God has planned. That's what he's done for us. We praise him. What have you got specially to praise him about this Christmas? Then do it. Take time. Go aside, praise him, tell others how much you think of him. And thirdly, rejoice. Because um, out of all of these uh, notifications and revelations that the angel is giving, he he talks a lot about joy. Joy, rejoicing in God. Not necessarily in our circumstances, because we know that our circumstances can can be very tough but rejoicing in God in the midst of our circumstances. And that's our inherent, our inherent right, now that we belong to him, that we can do that. In Jesus, God champions us and champions us in our circumstances. So are you weak in one of those three areas? Do you need to address one of those three areas? If so, this is a great time to do it. Why don't you take time today, this week, just ask God to help you understand and appreciate and fully engage in those things that Mary engaged in herself. And if we do that, uh, what a wonderful time of growth and and, um, um, development uh, you'll find this Christmas time. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for Mary who you raised up. You knew her. You knew what she'd be like. You, you enabled her to be the way that she was. Thank you for her faithfulness. Thank you for the way she cared for uh, the Saviour. And we pray that you would help us to mimic those things that she showed in your character. Amen. I'm going to keep praying. The reason is that Paul and Carolyn Yap...